AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Monday, November 13th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 p.m. as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The Arizona Cardinals in Kyler Murray's 2023 debut picked up a win over the Falcons 25-23. Game expiring 23-yard field goal from Matt Prater. But it was Kyler Murray and the heroics that he had getting that two-minute drive, well, sustained, I should say, after completing a third and ten with about a 30-40 yard scramble involved. With all of that in mind, the KDOS1060.com poll question was Kyler Murray's 2023 debut better than you anticipated. Yes, continues to lead the way from the masses at 82% of the vote. No trailing at uh, 18%. We will officially provide our answer around 1230 today. Tossing it on over to Twitter at KDUSAM1060. Are you satisfied with the level of play 10 weeks into the NFL season? The masses continue to be on the no side of things at 54.5%. Yes, trailing at 45.5%. That too gets answered officially around 1230 today. Let's get into week 10 from the NFL. And uh, in the NFL week 10, there were five teams that converted a game-winning field goal that ended up leading to a game-expiring field goal. No time remaining on the clock, and that is the uh, first time that that has ever happened in one week with the most amount of teams doing this. The Cardinals, the Browns, the Lions, the Texans, and the Seahawks. Let's start with that Browns and the Ravens contest with a Browns 33-31 win. It was 17-9 for the Ravens at half. Kind of thought, here we go again for the Ravens. Domination, especially to start the third quarter. When they go down, they score a touchdown, and it's 24-9. But the Browns answer right back. And then kind of a fluky interception from Lamar Jackson with 8-16 to play in the fourth quarter. The pass gets deflected up in the air. Greg Newsom runs underneath it, returns it for a 34-yard pick six. In a kind of a funny bit of drama, the extra point to tie the game was actually no good. The Ravens had the opportunity to run out the clock, win the game, tack on more points, but it was six plays, 16 yards, and the ball back to the Browns, who then were able to put the ball in position for a 40-yard game winner. Yeah, let, let's start with the Ravens here. I mean, they have seven losses now when they've led in the fourth quarter. The last two seasons, that's more than any team in the league, according to ESPN last night. So I assume those numbers are correct. Uh, you know, they had the uh, 31-17 lead in the fourth quarter. You mentioned the Lamar. That was a fluky interception, but he made some bad plays in the down the stretch of that game. And that's something we've seen in almost all these losses that they've had the last couple of years. Some of those were he was already injured and not playing, but... He's made a whole bunch of baffling plays decision-wise and accuracy-wise to lead to some of these losses. Also, they lost Ronnie Stanley again to injury yesterday. 
uh, starting left tackle, one of the best left tackles in the league. And I have not heard anything or seen anything this morning about his status, but that's a really big deal if he's not playing moving forward. Remember, they have a short week this week against the Bengals also. Cleveland had actually lost 24 consecutive games when trailing by 14 or more in the fourth quarter. That's over a few years, needless to say. Uh, but they're now 6-3. and three. That's the best nine-game start since they rejoined the NFL in 1999. I think you can also make a pretty easy case. In fact, I don't even know who's second. Uh, the Miles Garrett is the defensive player of the year in the NFL right now. And Deshaun Watson who looks so bad, uh, really, for most of the last couple of seasons when he's played for the Browns. He completed 14 of 14 passes in the second half yesterday. Unfortunately, uh, he left the stadium in a walking boot. And the last I heard this morning from uh, NFL, the NFL insider guys that uh, he was going to be examined further today. That's the last I've seen from Ian Rappaport as well, and it's uh, something to do with his ankle, so that'll be something to monitor for Deshaun Watson. Uh, When it comes to the rest of the AFC North, we have the Bengals losing to the Texans 30-27, to and this was also interesting because the legend of C.J. Stroud continues to grow as it was another game-winning drive for the rookie, but it was a situation from him where he's been so good at protecting the football that kind of got the need for this whole heroics to happen yet again. Uh, so like I said, it was a 30-27 to win for the Texans with about four minutes left to go in the game. The Bengals were down 27-17. Joe Burrow throws a pick in the end zone. I actually stopped watching at this point and found a different game to watch. Uh, But then you have C.J. Stroud throwing a pick with just a few plays later, giving the Bengals great field position. This time they capitalize, move the score to 27-24 Texans. Texans then have to punt. Burrow leads the Bengals down on a drive that results in an Evan McPherson 31-yard field goal. And then here's where the legend grows for C.J. Stroud. Six plays, 55 yards, gets them into field goal range, and it was a 38-yard game-winning field goal. And he now leads the NFL, all quarterbacks, in passing yards this season. Two straight weeks, he's had a last possession comeback winning drive, and uh, that's an, un, pretty unbelievable. They're also 5-4 and four now. Remember, they already have won at Jacksonville. Uh, so, you know, while they're a game behind Jacksonville in the standings, uh, they're, they have the tiebreaker right now, and they have actually had Jacksonville's number for whatever reason the last two or three years. Uh, when Jacksonville clearly has had a better team in those years. I think the most surprising thing to me yesterday is that Houston ran the ball, and they were, like, unable to run the ball at all in recent games. And Devin Singletary had the most yards rushing of any running back in the NFL yesterday, and he's, like, been their second-team guy uh, before yesterday. The Bengals had won four in a row. Their defense allowed a ton of explosive plays in this game, not just uh, you know from Stroud, but also Singletary running. They clearly missed Sam Hubbard as a pass rusher. And Burrow, quite frankly, he had two fourth-quarter interceptions. The one in the end zone was just inexplicable. Uh, so a play that you don't expect him to make. Um, that was really bad. And uh, we'll see how the Bengals bounce back and play on Thursday night at Baltimore. 
Yeah, so we were very much looking forward to this Thursday night football contest with the Ravens and uh, the Bengals here, this AFC North clash. But we'll have to monitor the situation for Trey Hendrickson. Uh, he has eight and a half sacks heading into yesterday's game. He suffered a hyperextended knee. He's having an MRI yeah. uh, today, so we'll have to see how quickly he can. And, and, and the other thing, too, is that it was like – there wasn't really a play kind of happening. He just kind of like tumbled into him. The Texans wide receiver just kind of tumbled into him. So it was a fluky situation how it all unfolded. And Hubbard, the other edge pass rusher, as I mentioned, didn't even play yesterday. He was already out. Uh, so when you look at the standings for the AFC North, the Steelers beat the Packers 23-19. to So you have the Ravens at 7-3, and the Steelers at 6-3, and the Browns at 6-3, and and the Bengals at 5-4. and And the Browns and the Steelers play this week also. So it's, uh, you know, quite the, the showdown week for the, uh, for the AFC Central. And, you know, Pittsburgh wins yesterday. Uh, they're 6-3, and and they've been outgained in every game this year. Uh, and they're six and zero in one score games. Once again, according to ESPN, I didn't do the math myself. Uh, Patrick Peterson, who has had an up and down season so far, we had a big deal yesterday. He was a really big deal to him in this win. He blocked the extra point that made a big deal for a while, and then he had uh, deflected a ball in the end zone that turned out to be a pick. Uh, on the other side of things, Jordan Love, two more interceptions on the final two possessions of the game. And uh, this is uh, more evidence that he's not the quarterback of the future and the Packers are just another bad NFL team at this point. From Germany that actually got the Sunday slate of action started, it was the Colts 10, Patriots 6. Bizarre happenings here. The Patriots were driving late in the fourth quarter, 424 to go. Mac Jones throws just a terrible pass. Intercepted. Mac then was benched. Bailey Zappi was thrust into this situation now to go the length of the field in one minute and 21 seconds to try to win the game for the Patriots, followed then by an even more bizarre sequence as it's fourth and one. They call a run play, which in real time, I thought it was questionable that they even got the first down. There was no measurement. They just called it a first down. Then in a bit of, like, frantic, uh, trying to, I think, catch people off guard or whatever, Bailey Zappi does a fake spike, throws the ball over the middle of the field. It's picked off, ends the game. He clearly seemed to think that there was some sort of penalty that should have been called, um declined to really discuss it after the game saying he would get in trouble for it but regardless this Patriots team is lost the penalty is that he sucks and should be an NFL quarterback that's the penalty uh this Mac Jones thing hopefully people are coming around I pointed out statistically for the last half of his so-called good rookie season that he really wasn't that good even then he's just not good and uh, you know he now leads the league with ten interceptions, and this is you know, I guess it's Bailey Zappi time. You know I keep hearing this Belichick thing, but if they move on from Belichick, who exactly are they going to hire? Well, I don't know, but there seems to be a ton of sentiment and enthusiasm behind Gerard Mayo, who they paid a lot of money right. to stay around as 
and I think it even dropped co-defensive coordinator off the title, defensive coordinator. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of enthusiasm around him as a coach. Um, and, and yeah, I think that that would potentially, if you're thinking in-house, that would be the direction that they would look. Okay, speaking of in-house, how's this Bill O'Brien thing working out? Uh, you know, he was good at Alabama. I thought he was actually pretty good at Houston for the most part. But, you know, he has uh, not been the salvation for when Mac Jones because there is no salvation for Mac Jones as an NFL quarterback, I was which, gonna, I said before, which I said before he was drafted. I was going to say, I don't know how much criticism – should go to Bill O'Brien because if you're calling up and dialing up plays, but your quarterback has a hard time seeing the field properly, uh, there isn't really a whole lot you can do. Also, I mean, you can have the conversation about the different wide receivers and their inability to get separation. Um, You can have that conversation if you want. uh, But overall, the offense is just not set up for success. No doubt. Let's move on to a different game because nobody cares about the Patriots at this point. 49ers and the Jaguars. It was a 34-3 victory for the 49ers. Both teams coming off of a bye week. But the first thing that certainly jumped off the page for me watching this game was the San Francisco 49ers defensive pressure that put on the Jaguars offensive line as well as Trevor Lawrence. It amounted to five sacks, 10 quarterback hits. Chase Young getting involved in his 49ers debut with a half a sack. Back. and a couple quarterback hits too uh to me you know, it's amazing what happens when trent williams and, and debo samuel come back uh so that, that was the first thing broad purdy uh played with uh, he's obviously like most quarterbacks far more comfortable with the lead as far as jacksonville they are still imposters uh trevor lawrence and doug peterson not exactly belichick and brady in their heyday uh, and, uh, you know, they're not the greatest combo uh, quarterback coach of all time, which we seem to kind of hear a little bit about the last couple of weeks. Their offensive line is bad, and their defense actually carried them to wins, and they got exploited yesterday by the Niners. Yeah, um, Brock Purdy, he was efficient, 19 of 26, 296 yards, three touchdowns. McCaffrey, 16 carries, 95 yards, six catches, 47 yards. But one thing I didn't mention there, no touchdown for Christian McCaffrey. The streak ends for him they at 17 sure tried, games. Though. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, and he was actually hilarious. And if everybody wants to, you've got a couple minutes or not even a couple minutes, just go. Uh, I'm sure you can Google this rather quickly. Uh, his post-game comments about not scoring a touchdown are actually very, very, very humorous. And, uh, you know, he's he's all about the team. And, uh, and I believe him. A lot of guys say stuff that you think they're all about the team or they want you to think that. I think that he is all about the team. It's funny, uh, there was a play that Christian McCaffrey is running the ball. Trent Williams happens to be getting out in front setting a block. Trent was asked about it post-game, and he said he's never seen anything like it. He goes, number 31 on the Jaguars team literally turned and ran the other way when he saw Trent Williams coming at him and they matched up uh, Williams talking about it and the video and sure enough the guy ran the the other way trying to avoid uh, getting bulldozed by Trent Williams yeah and there was the Williams Debo Samuel touchdown play too which you know we played at the top of the sports zone and I was glad that they mentioned Trent Williams leading the way because that was you know Debo 20 something yard touchdown run and uh you know, Williams is demolishing people in front of him. So uh helps when those two guys are healthy and playing. 
Now, on the Trevor Lawrence side of things here, his line was 17 of 29, 185 yards and two interceptions. And we're talking about the havoc that he was under from this 49ers defensive pressure. But when you, I think... The expectation that you have when he was drafted where he was drafted, the the sentiments that were surrounding him heading into the NFL, that in these types of big games, to take that next step for the Jaguars organization, you would expect him to take that leap as quarterback. And I would say in these types of moments, he has been inconsistent at best in the NFL. I've been questioning him for two years running. I can't blame or admire anymore or any of this. Uh, you know, he's been terrible inside the red zone, and I mean terrible inside the red zone. Yesterday, I will defend him a little bit because he had no chance because their offensive line just got destroyed in this game. And, you know, the uh, Niners kind of went back to the old style of that, uh, you know, they basically, uh, I don't think it had anything to do with Steve Wilkes being on the field uh, as opposed to in the press box, but they just, they didn't have to blitz. They just dominated the line of scrimmage and physically destroyed Jacksonville. We'll get into more NFL college football on the other side of the break. If you'd like to chime in, feel free to do so. 602-260-1060 is the number. 602-260-1060. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Right now, some hardwood tickets available for you. Download that KDOS 1060 app. Register and you are eligible to be the contest winner. On the other side of the break, more NFL and college football discussion. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today. Teams Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KTUS AM 1060 and the KTUS 1060 app. Twelve twenty-five, right here on KDOS AM 1060. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 p.m. today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays. Thursdays and Fridays, we'll get into more NFL and college football discussion. But as promised, it is phone call time, 602-260-1060. So let's pop on out to the KDOS hotline. And it's Steve in Phoenix. What's on your mind today, Steve? Hi, Kayla. Hi, Bob. Well, you got me to thinking when you're talking about Joshua Dobbs not being an NFL quarterback. And I was looking at the menu yesterday. Well, actually, I was flipping through and we started out uh, with Gardner Minshew versus Mac Jones. And then uh, a little later on, you had Kenny Pickett versus Jordan Love. Then you could flip over to Tommy DeVito. Then there was the Heineke, Ritter, Quinella that, that uh, I don't even know. which they, they could have been playing against each other, but instead they were playing against the Cardinals. And I'm thinking to myself, has the NFL quarterback play ever been as bad as this? I understand there's injuries, but this. Th- Joshua Dobbs might be a middle of a middle of the pack quarterback based on what what is going on out on the field. So you can I agree with all that. No, 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 no. I agree with all that. I think you're right. I mean, we it's been many years. We had this discussion, but that's been I'm guessing at least ten years ago. Uh, And it seemed like quarterback was the worst of all time back then. Now it's much worse. Yeah. Well, but in (laughs) in between, there was reason for hope. 
Uh, and there, you know, there, were, there were some good quarterbacks, and you know, it probably didn't help any that uh, you know, Brady and Rodgers and Drew Brees played for 700 years. Uh, right. you know, it, helped, it was good for them and helped the game, but once they've left, it's uh, – yeah, you know, that void, uh, you know, the void's not going to be filled maybe ever in some of those cases, but at least, you know, some legitimate quarterbacks. And I agree with you on Dobbs. Um, you know, by today's, this year's standards or this week's standards, yeah, he should be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but most years, historically, he shouldn't be. And, if, you know, if, if you go back, usually the league's response to something like this is change the rules. So I think maybe yeah. they should have them start counting one Mississippi, two Mississippi, maybe up to three Mississippi even before they can rush the passer, and that might help. Oh, oh. Uh, well, you know, how about we just have, like, nine defensive players on the field? That might help the quarterbacks. <laughs> well, that's Notre Dame, isn't it? <laughs> that's well, that's t- yeah, th- yeah, that's ten, but, yeah, that, 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 for two straight plays. But anyway – if you have less players on the field for the quarterbacks to read on the defensive side, maybe they won't throw as many bad interceptions. Yeah, and you know, and you watch Zach Wilson, and the ball just jumps live out of his hand, and it's like, boy, this is going to be a great play. Oh, there's nobody there, uh, or maybe there's yeah. a defensive player there, or maybe it's the peanut vendor. Uh, so a- anyway, yeah, should, uh, Zach Wilson should have been an NFL bet. quarterback. He, he should have be he should be a major league pitcher because the ball jumps out of his head instead <laughs> of an NFL quarterback. Now, I got a note here on the Jets. They've now gone. The Jets have now gone 35 drives without a touchdown. 35. <laughs> That's pretty extraordinary. It's almost impossible in the modern NFL. It, anyway, I, I made a bet on Carson Beck at 55 to one about three weeks ooh. ago. Uh, I yeah. was actually just getting out of my car when you called me. I was on my way to make that bet. Yep. And yep. Uh, I, since then, I've been watching Georgia, obviously. And I think they're much better offensively than they were when they won national championships. I think that one team a couple of years ago defensively was just – there might not ever be a defensive team that good again. But yeah. the, the offense under uh, Stetson Hat Bennett – uh, they they were I would call them pedestrians, and, yeah. and now they look like a they look like a team just like the Chiefs defense is better. And people are, oh, what's wrong with the Chiefs? No, that's, the Chiefs have a, probably a better chance to win with their even though their offensive line is hor- horrendous. Uh, the Chiefs have a better chance because they're more balanced. And uh, I think Georgia is very likely if they Alabama I think might be the biggest threat to them. Uh, winning the winning the whole deal. I don't I don't see anybody uh, that on the field that can can stand up to the Georgia offense when you combine with their defense is still pretty good. Uh, no, I think I that's all. Good. I'm sorry. But, I think that's all fair. And you know, I'm a big. I've been talking. You know. You know. Back up for several weeks now, and uh, he just seems to get better. And you know, now that they've got their full arsenal of receivers back. Uh, that even helps even you know helps them even more. You know they haven't had a game with all their dudes, uh, all their skill players in you know several weeks, uh, and uh, including yeah. Saturday. So they're supposed to get all these guys back. A couple of more guys. You know another running back has been nicked up and so forth. But they haven't played with a full cast on offense for since probably September. And now I'm going to tell you something. It, it, it's sad for the Pac-12, but good for you, I think. Beware Oregon State if you're the Pac-12, because they can yeah. do some real damage to them getting someone into the 
football playoff. Well, they get when they get Washington and Oregon State the next two games. Washington and Oregon the next two games, right? Right, right, exactly. And uh, I, I just think they, they're like one of those teams. Every year, there's teams like that that lose some inexplicable games, but you really you don't really don't want any part of them if you're if you're contending for a title. And I think they're that team. Uh, I, I think honestly, you have Oregon a tad overrated. And Washington, a tad underrated. I think they're they're closer than than you've let out when you when you talk about those teams. Uh, Washington is, I think, a little better than than you've been saying, and I think Oregon is quite a bit worse. I, get, get a rerun of that Texas Tech game uh, to, if you want to see Oregon. I, I just I think they're going to have a lot of trouble. Well, both of those teams are going to have a lot of trouble with Oregon State. Um, you know, yeah. You know, I, it, I, I agree with that part. I think that they're, well, I'm on Washington this week. I'm going to be on Washington this week for sure. And I even said last week that I would be, you know, definitely uh, going against Washington the, you know, the next, you know, the next couple of weeks. Uh, and those, yeah. you know, and one last you know, thing, this, one last thing. Yep. You asked about the surprise. Watching the Ravens and Browns, the fact that the the Ravens lost that game, I'll put it that way. Is more was that was the biggest surprise of the week. It looked for me through three quarters like they couldn't score. Even if the Ravens left left the field, turned out I was wrong. The Ravens left the field and they did score. But, uh, that's just, <laughs> so why did the Ra- anyway. why do the Ravens do this? They've got seven losses now in the last two years when they've led in the fourth quarter. That's the most of anybody in the league. Why does this the happen? Texas Longhorns too. They're they're another team that blows leads like crazy. Well, I think the most important thing, unfortunately, that happened in the college football world on Saturday it was when Texas, you know, Jonathan Brooks, their outstanding running back, is out for the season. Uh, he got yeah. hurt in that game late against TCU. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine them you know, running the ball at all now because he's clearly – they didn't run the ball particularly well when he was their backup running back inexplicably to begin <laughs> the year. And now that he's been their guy, he's like amongst the leading rushers in the country – and him going down in the fourth quarter of that injury after he had 104 yards already in the game against TCU, I think that that was the most important thing that happened in college football this past weekend. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree, especially as someone who has a ticket on Texas at 25 to one. That was. Well, you, I mean, I know they, that, have, that, they that, have a tough path with Oklahoma losing yeah. a couple weeks ago, yeah. and. Right. They have a yeah, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State getting killed does not help the Texas power ranking not any either if they all. play them later. Not at all. No, but you got Georgia. You got, you got my man back. So there you go. You can I cash that. that one. That, that, would, that would cure a lot of ills. Yeah. Let me tell you, if that if that were to happen, I also have, I also have Stroud to be rookie of the year, which I've already put that in my. I put I checked that off as in my pocket, and I think I think he could get hurt next week, and and not play the rest of the year. He still might have. He still might win it. I heard him talked about this morning as the NL, NFL MVP, which is you know kind of extreme, but that just shows you how well he's played. Well, if you look at their if you look at their schedule, they are they're they're five and four. They could easily finish twelve and five or thirteen and four and win the division. Yeah. Then the conversation might not, change a little. And I liked him what? before the season started, but not enough guts to bet the over like five and a half. So I'm kicking myself for that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't particularly like him coming out of college, but I didn't really like any of these quarterbacks. I didn't like Levis. No, I, I like I liked young. him. I liked him. I liked him coming out of college. I just did. I liked the Texans team before the year started, but I didn't like him this much. 
So I thought I thought he would be better than Taylor Heineke and Joshua Dobbs and those other guys that we talked about. But yeah, no, I, I, I mean, you're, you're, you noticed his accuracy, but you watch a lot more of that. I forget the name of that team you, that he played for in college, <laughs> but you watch them a lot. Used so. to be the Ohio State University, and maybe if they win in 12 days, it might be on the Ohio State University on this show again. Yeah, I'll make sure to call you in the second quarter of that game. <laughs> I won't answer. <laughs> no, no matter what's going on, I won't be answering. I only answer the phone during Ohio State yeah. games. No matter who they're playing, no matter who, what's going on. Thanks as always okay, for the phone call. Uh, Six out. Yep, 602-260-1060 is the number. We have poll questions to get to on the other side of the break. It's the Extra Point. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. This Monday, November 13th edition of Extra Point. Bob Cam, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 p.m. today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's dive into the poll questions. Reset the poll question, the KDOS1060.com question in regards to the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray and his 2023 debut. Kyler Murray, a big part of the reason the Cardinals beat the Falcons yesterday, 25 to 23. And the question here is, was Kyler Murray's 2023 debut better than you anticipated? Yes or no, Bob? I would say definitely yes. Uh, yeah, I went through this a little earlier. I'm not going to you know, save you some time here. You know, we can, you know, the stats were great and so forth. But to me, I, I can actually, I was thinking about this uh, on the way home last night. Uh, I think this this you can, I can make a case that this was like his best moment as a Cardinal or best moments or best game as a Cardinal. The game that kind of thought about before was you know that that Las Vegas game last year when you know seemingly a memory ran for like kind of like he did yesterday on that one scramble he ran forever and completed the pass and scored and actually he ran for the touchdown that and then the. Uh, Completed the pass to to uh, you know AJ Green later in the uh, in the quarter and they won that game, uh, but that's the game I I first thought of and then I think what he did yesterday was I was more impressed yesterday than I was in that game, and uh, so I think that uh, this is uh, considering everything and we didn't know what to expect and they called running plays for him and so forth and he clearly. Uh, passed the test as far as uh, you know, the eye test part and then just looking healthy. You know, the timing on some passes, I can understand that. You know, it's you know, had not that much practice time. We don't exactly know how full bore or close to full bore they go and, pla- and practice and so forth. So I was highly impressed at what Murray did yesterday. Yeah, so I, uh, I I was definitely impressed with with Murray's debut here. You know, I felt like the team was going to play with a renewed energy, and I certainly think that you saw that. Uh, Trey McBride certainly emphasized how much energy and excitement that they had uh, with Kyler Murray's return in postgame comments. I also think what really helped, too, was also having James Conner, and we didn't have enough time to get into this in hour yeah. one. We had plenty of other 
other yeah. things happening here. But one of the things that Jonathan Gannon said uh, post game about James Conner and his game, he said, unreal, unreal. Some of those runs that he popped, even the one to start the two minute there, I thought that was a nine or a 10 or 11 yard run to play the snaps that he played. I think he was in the range we wanted him coming, not playing for a while. I mean, the guy is a captain for a reason. He's so positive and he's great with the offense when they come off. He's a premier player. Uh, I think that that, along with Kyler Murray, was exactly what the team team needed. Then when you have what Kyler Murray does in that two-minute drive, that's where he's at his best. Uh, just his athleticism on display, making things happen when you think all else is doomed. Uh, he can make the throws. And I think you're going to see over time uh, some of the miscommunication with the interception that he threw there intending for Trey McBride. That should get cleaned up over time. He also uh, had it, it resulted in a field goal, but he had Jeff Swaim wide open in the back corner of the end zone and just didn't see him. So those are different things that are going to happen in the progressions of his routes as he gets more comfortable with this offense. But to come out with a victory here and to really, I think, just kind of regalvanize the efforts after what transpired the week before, not scoring an entire point, uh, that this was absolutely more than you could anticipate for this Cardinals team with the energy effort all on display. I totally agree with all that, and you know, especially the Connor thing. Uh, he obviously, uh, yeah, he's a professional player, and uh, they've had non-professional running backs since he got hurt. Uh, Dean Marcato is okay, but he shouldn't be you know, a guy that you're going to be counting on to be your number one running back. Uh, so, but he's really good. Also, just throw in the fact that you know their offensive line obviously wasn't even close to being healthy yesterday. And still, he did all that without the, you know, the healthy offensive line. And actually, I thought that the guys that played yesterday, that was the best pass protection that I think that they've had in several games. You know, another comment here from Jonathan Gannon. He was asked about the offensive line post game with no DJ Humphreys. You had O'Connell there in at uh, left guard, first time for him. Kelvin Beecham playing left tackle. What did he make of the offensive line? And he said they battled. You know what I mean? We had some guys in there that had to step in and play, and I thought they did a good job communicating. You know, we had a couple of penalties in there, but they pretty much protected him the whole day. Run game looked pretty good with some new guys in there. So hats off to those guys. They want to play football man there is no one in that locker room that is scared that doesn't want to be out on the field anyone that's out there we feel completely comfortable getting the job done i'll just add a couple things to that you know the penalties a couple of those holding penalties were just because you know murray didn't have open receivers and had to kind of scramble and at that point i know defensive linemen you know excuse me offensive linemen get blamed for a lot of you know holding penalties and so forth but that's a really rough spot for them, especially when you got a guy that's leaving the pocket and so forth. So I wouldn't put that too much, too much of that on the offensive line. The one thing they did, I think, had a little problem with, in fact, no question, the only time they really got Atlanta got any pressure on is when they ran a couple line stunts, and that's been a big problem for the Cardinals' offensive line when intact this year. So it wasn't too surprising that that was uh, – I'm surprised Atlanta didn't do more of that, quite frankly. Uh, it's something I wrote in my notes in like the third quarter of the game. Uh, but, you know, I think that Atlanta is a horribly coached team on both sides of the ball. 
The masses are on the yes side of things at 83% of the vote, no trailing at 17%. Was Kyler Murray's 2023 debut better than you anticipated? KDOS1060.com's poll question. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060. Are you satisfied with the level of play 10 weeks into the NFL season? And I know that we're coming off of a week in which we had five games yesterday be decided by walk-off field goals, which is the most that has ever happened in one day in the NFL, but you ask here about 10 weeks in the NFL seasons. My answer is no, absolutely not. I have never been this disappointed in the level of play across the NFL in my entire time of watching the NFL. Um, There's just been bad matchups each week, blowout games. It's just been really disappointing. I mean, we've chronicled uh, the offensive line injuries. We've chronicled the different quarterbacks that have been thrust into position with over, you know, we're we're trending toward 50 different quarterbacks having played snaps in the NFL. Um, We're we're also kind of with all the different CBA rules and changes and, and player safety that really camps aren't what they've been in the past and and preseason games aren't what they've been in the past so over the last I don't know four or five years you really kind of have to say that the first four games have kind of been like a preseason you're trying to figure things out and then all of a sudden you start to see teams get their offenses clicking and rolling but this year we're still 10 weeks into the season and there's lack of continuity all over the place um so yeah and I think you know injuries do have an impact on all of that but it's been disappointing. Yeah, I completely agree with all that. I'll just add one more thing, and uh, it's not going to get any better this season. I'm sorry because there have never, and I mean never, been this many bad teams in the NFL in one season. The masses are on the no side of things at 54.5% of the vote, yes sitting at 45.5%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. I wish I could ask all these people some follow-up questions as to, like, what has satisfied <laughs> you? Is it is it that, like, yeah. you're making money off of betting on the game, so despite it being, like, poor quality, you're still profiting? Or, like, what exactly has satisfied you? <laughs> Have to separate the uh, financial interest and the actual entertainment value. One game that we did not get to discuss yet on the NFL slate from yesterday was the Lions and the Chargers. Lions 41, Chargers 38, and Jared Goff, he led his Lions down there for the game-winning drive. They were another one of those teams that won at the buzzer, essentially. Um, Explosive plays for the Lions, though. Let's just take a second here. David Montgomery hit one for 75 yards in all 12 carries, 116 yards. Jameer Gibbs hit a long one of 35 yards. Amal Ross St. Brown had a 46-yard catch. Khalif Raymond had a 41-yard catch. So explosive plays were just carving up that Chargers defense. However, on the flip side of this here, the Lions defense did give up 38 points. Yeah, I wonder if their defense is going to prevent them from being in that category for me, at least with Philadelphia and San Francisco. At least right now, I don't think their defense is – Good enough to uh, overcome uh, some of their deficiency uh, deficiencies. I'll add Laporta to it. I know he doesn't have the big explosive plays, but he's making difference-making plays. And uh, it also helps when you have your offensive line. And I was I wondered about this on Friday, and then I heard them say yesterday in the pre one of the pregame shows 
that this is act this was actually the first game this year that the Lions had offensive line, which we most believe most people believe is the, amongst the best in the league, maybe second behind Philadelphia. This is the first game this season that their five guys that they want to be the starters were actually intact as the starters. And then there's the Chargers, of course. Uh, yeah, Brandon Staley's defense failed once again. Uh, and yeah, I'm so t- yeah, his press conference answers are just unbelievably vague. Not just vague, but just stupid, ignorant. I mean, he always has an excuse for everything. And I can't imagine listening. I only listen occasionally when they, you know, he, he, his comments are so absurd that they're on NFL Network or ESPN. But I cannot imagine listening to this guy make excuses for his lame team every week. It's got to be unbelievably frustrating if you have to follow this team every game. You know, there was a really fascinating article a couple of years ago about Brandon Staley and this new look of of how he sees analytics involved in the game. And I came away from it rooting for him. I'm like, all right, let's see this happen. And it just has not materialized. Like, I don't even think it has materialized to the way in which he envisioned it from this article. So I don't know if that's playmakers. I don't know if that's just in-game decisions. I'm just not sure, but I I don't think it's working. And I I think you're going to waste Justin Herbert's career here. Well, and he hasn't been very good this year, by the way, until yesterday. I mean, he's had some really bad games. As somebody that has a Herbert on a fan, my fantasy team, I've been disappointed in him. But I don't care about the analytics. His defense is bad, and that's his whole deal. Yes, it gives up a lot of yards and a lot of points. We wrap up uh, this extra point next. Join the Sports Zoo this Monday from 5 to 6 p.m. for Monday Night Football. Live from Lumel Nowadays Pizzeria at 17787 North Scottsdale Road in Scottsdale. Great Chicago pizza, football, and the Sports Zoo. of this Monday, November 13th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Make sure you download that app and register. That's how you get entered in to win the hardwood tickets that we currently have for you. But it's that time once again, Bob. It is thank you time. Okay. Uh, Can I quote you on that last comment that Will Levis was... Stunningly awful. I guess sure, I yeah, you can. Okay, I said I guess it. He's not headed. He's not going to Canton quite yet. Apparently, uh, that's one thing I didn't. Uh, we didn't have time to get to before now. So there you go. So thanks for that, Kayla, bringing that up, and I got that in. Also, uh, special thanks as always uh, to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. I probably shouldn't ask you if I could quote you on something on the air while I'm talking on the air. But anyway, I'll try not to do that ever again. I uh, also went around the NFL with Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News. Went through a lot of the things that we talked about even deeper and uh, talked a little bit about tonight's uh, Bills and uh, Denver game in Buffalo. And uh, the last I looked, the number on that game had pretty much gone down to seven everywhere in the globe. So uh, uh, seven and a half or eight earlier in the week or over the weekend. 
Uh, sound of the day courtesy of CBS, Fox, Pac-12 Networks, and, and also ESPN. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Yes, that's right. Coming up next, we have the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, James Out West from 7 to 8, also ASU Women's Basketball taking on San Francisco. That's a pregame at 6.30, tip at 7. You can hear it over on KAZG 1440 as well as KDOS1060.com slash Sundevils. Uh, there is a Monday night football contest tonight to wrap up week 10 in the NFL. The Broncos at the Bills. At last look, Broncos plus seven, Bills minus seven, over under sitting at 47 and a half. 6.15 p.m. start on ESPN. As go, go Broncos. I need plus seven and a half for contest purposes. There you go. Uh, that half is important. Uh, Phoenix Suns lost that's last right, night. exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> they lost last night to the Thunder 111 to 99. Uh, this is, I mean, caveats all around, right? We're still very early on in the season. We haven't seen the uh, trio play together in a regular season game. But the Suns are the NBA's worst fourth quarter team. They rank last in scoring, last in assists, last in turnovers. Yesterday's game, they scored 13 points in the fourth quarter. Meanwhile, giving up the Thunder with 31 points. Overall, Shea Gildas-Alexander, he's really good. I I think you pointed him out several times. 35. Well, I loved him in college at Kentucky. That's who I wanted the Suns to draft that year. For months, I wanted the Suns to draft him. Uh, he had 35 points. KD led the way for the Suns at 28 points. And we'll have to monitor Bradley Beal, see how serious it is or not, uh, if he tweaked his back from last night's contest. And you mentioned all those bad offensive stats, not uh, to mention they're awful on defense, and that we expected, at least I expected. Uh, they'll play the Timberwolves on Wednesday at 7 p.m. And uh, Kevin Harlan yesterday had his 500th NFL telecast on Sunday. 500. That's a lot of telecasts. It's a lot of screaming and hollering and you know making big plays out of what aren't always big plays. But uh, if I had a kid, I would want uh, Gus Johnson or Kevin Harlan. Uh, I want one of those two guys calling the play of my kid or me. If I ever did anything big time, I want them calling it because it would be stupendous and much better than it probably has to be sometimes. I still think one of the best things, I think it was radio. He was doing it with Kurt Warner and that black cat went across MetLife Stadium and he was <laughs> doing right. the play-by-play. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that was good. That was I've, great. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yep. That'll do it for this Monday edition of Extra Point, the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp with you tomorrow at 10 a.m.